Tokyo, Japan, this is Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And this is the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on this week's program, Ms. Kathy Campbell will join us to discuss science diplomacy. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And the world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Well, the challenges faced by the United States and the world are far-reaching. Solving problems ranging from global climate change to epidemic diseases will require a truly international effort. But building the infrastructure for such efforts may require a new approach, one of science diplomacy. Well, joins today to discuss this issue is Ms. Kathy Campbell. Ms. Campbell is the president and CEO of the U.S. Civilian Research and Development Foundation, also known as CRDF. Prior to work at CRDF, Ms. Campbell held high-level positions at the Department of Commerce and the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. And she joins us today to discuss this issue of science diplomacy. Ms. Campbell, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, well, certainly a pleasure to have you on the program, and I think this is certainly a very fascinating issue. But I'm wondering, first, if you could maybe tell us a little bit about the CRDF. CRDF is an independent, a not-for-profit organization that supports international science collaboration through grants, technical resources, and training. We've been operating for about 13 years now, and in that time we have provided about 3,000 grants for science collaboration between U.S. scientists working with counterparts overseas. And we have also helped to support over 1,000 projects that other organizations, U.S. universities or companies or government labs have been supporting overseas. And what are some of the key uh, focus areas? Well, in the area of research collaborations, we focus on all areas of the natural sciences. From time to time, we will have what we call targeted research competitions where we might focus on a particularly urgent issue or one that is of keen interest to our donors. So, for example, in the aftermath of 9-11, we sponsored a research competition to focus on technologies to minimize the effect of terrorist acts on civilian populations. Several years ago, we did a special competition for research related to HIV, AIDS, and infectious diseases. This coming year, we're going to do a research competition on global climate change. So how do you go about uh, soliciting these uh, various proposals? We issue a call for proposals, similar to a way that a National Science Foundation in the States might do it. We'll outline the particular criteria that we're looking for, and then we'll receive proposals from joint teams of scientists, and we put those proposals through peer review, select the most meritorious projects from those recommended for funding. Sounds like a good way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe getting to this issue of science diplomacy, what do you mean by that, and what do you see as the vision for science in terms of actually uh, building a diplomatic structure? 
Well, science diplomacy is basically utilizing one of America's greatest assets, which is our scientists and engineers, to build peaceful and productive relationships with other countries. It's important because we live in a complex world in which many of the key challenges of the day, such as those related to health or environment or energy, have a science and technology component, require a science and technology solution. Scientists have to be involved not only in understanding and characterizing the problem, but finding the solution that we need. And then related to this is the fact that so many of today's science and technology challenges are global in nature. Disease knows no geographic border, um, as we've recently seen with Hurricane Gustav. It tears through and affects many countries. And so the best approach to solving these global problems is to involve global teams of scientists and engineers. Beyond that, though, there's really a special reason why we need to engage more of our scientists in international collaboration. Scientists and engineers tend to share values that transcend culture. They speak the same language and they understand the same formulas and principle. And they're really able to find and to form more rapid trust relations with counterparts around the world and build relationships that often last a lifetime. So it's really this kind of relationship building and environment of trust that is so important to expand upon as the U.S. works to reach out to other countries and solve global problems. It's also very important because we know from a lot of surveys that have been done around the world that U.S. science and technology and the scientists and engineers that are part of our community are so well respected around the world. And our people want to work with U.S. scientists and engineers. And so this is really a valuable and underutilized resource that we need to take greater advantage of in our international relations. How do we go then from building a diplomatic structure in the sciences then to sort of a larger diplomatic structure that evolves from that? Well, I think part of it is we just really need to do a lot more to raise the awareness of the importance of this issue and the need for more science and engagement. And that's what CRDF is trying to do. Uh, Other organizations such as the American Association for the Advancement of Science or National Academy of Sciences are also trying to raise the visibility of this issue. But what we often find when we talk to scientists is that they're interested in engaging more in international collaboration, but they need mechanisms on how to do that. And that's where an organization like CRDF can play an important role role. We're really science diplomacy in action. We're an implementing organization, and we provide through our variety of programs a lot of different mechanisms that scientists can use to find each other and to be able to capitalize on their interest and the need to actually pursue collaboration, either through research, projects that they perform jointly or through workshops or travel or even work to help build capacity in other countries to help those science communities be in a better position to collaborate internationally. How aware do you think our scientists are of these mechanisms that might exist for helping them to build these international collaborations? 
I think some scientists are quite aware of it, but not everyone. And that's where an organization like CRDF is trying to reach out and expand that awareness so that scientists are able to take advantage of um, opportunities that exist and to advocate for more opportunities. Uh, certainly this issue, one might guess, would be particularly acute in developing nations. I mean, how much uh, effort is really being focused uh, there to build science capacity in those regions? I think we're starting to see that there is more attention being given to building science capacity in developing countries. Some of the work that CRDF has done, for example, in the countries of the former Soviet Union, particularly at a time when they were going through a transition, uh, we have helped them to build capacity by creating, for example, grant-making organizations in the three countries of the Caucasus and in Moldova. And these organizations really really help them to build capacity for scientific research that is done according to the global standard, utilizing peer review mechanisms, for example. And then we're seeing in other regions of the world, too, greater attention that's being given to building knowledge-based economies. Certainly some of the countries in the Middle East and the Gulf region are turning attention to building knowledge-based societies through more investment in science and technology and education. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what role do you think private enterprise has in developing these diplomatic structures? Oh, I think it's going to have a tremendous role in developing these structures. Again, there is keen interest in being able to work with U.S. business, and particularly because U.S. business is innovative and entrepreneurial. And I think that the lessons that we have learned in the United States can be applied elsewhere. But moreover, I think it's important for U.S. business to be able to access talent around the world wherever it exists. And that's what we've found at CRDF through some of the more industry or innovation-related programs that we've sponsored, that there's been keen interest among U.S. businesses to be able to reach out and tap the best research capability and the good ideas that they've found around the world. So one of the challenges facing the uh, science community, uh, here in the U.S. anyway, is uh, sort of a decline in funding for U.S.-based research. Uh, it's extremely important, and that's why in, in many of the programs that CRDF has, that having the U.S. component and providing some funding for the U.S. component is a very important part of the overall effort. And I think that the science diplomacy effort and to raise awareness and visibility on these issues is very important for the U.S. science community as well in, in that it will bring more visibility and hopefully resources for the U.S. community. What do you see as the major international scientific challenges? There are so many. <laughs> I, I don't know where to begin, but, you know, certainly there are a lot of challenges related to health um, and to environmental issues. Water issues in a number of regions um, are very important. They're just a host of issues that require international collaboration to address. Mm. Now, where do you think uh, the policymakers in Washington are of this issue? I think there is more and more attention and awareness that is being given to this issue, and uh, we're doing our part to try to raise that visibility, and I think the momentum is moving in the direction of greater attention and, and perhaps even resources to apply to this problem. So where do you think we are now in terms of our current science diplomacy, and where do you think uh, we need to be, and how do we get there? 
this is a fairly new issue or articulation of an issue. I mean, right. science diplomacy is actually not a new concept. This is something that dates back to even during the Cold War. We kept some collaboration between U.S. and Soviet scientists, and that helped to lay the groundwork for collaboration in the post-Soviet era. But within the last year, I would say there's been a lot more attention that's being given to this issue. But we certainly have more work that needs to be done. And as I said, we're going to continue to do our part to make uh, current policymakers aware of the importance of this issue and the need to uh, pay more attention to it and to encourage the science and engineering community of the United States to be more active in international collaboration. We have a, an administration transition that is coming up in the United States and certainly we'll be working with the new administration to gain their support for moving forward in, in this direction. I can tell you that in my travels overseas there is a lot of interest to engage with the U.S. in science and technology and this is a, we have a wonderful opportunity to try to build on that and use it more effectively. Well, certainly, of course, one of the other challenges is making sure everyone knows what science is doing and how important do you think science education is in this whole process? Oh, it's extremely important, both in terms of preparing the, the next generation of, of scientists to be more global in their outlook and in the, the work that they do every day and continuing to educate the general population about why this is important for the future of our country and for international peace and stability. Again, I think that this is very important issue and one that CRDF has really devoted 13 years to supporting through the variety of programs that we have supported to support international collaboration. And we're committed to continuing to push for this and to offer a variety of mechanisms so that U.S. scientists are able to have a lot of different mechanisms in their toolbox of opportunities to collaborate collaborate internationally. And I certainly invite your listeners to visit our website at www.crdf.org so that they can learn more about some of the work that we've done and opportunities for them to be involved. We've worked and engaged over 40,000 scientists in our 13 years as collaborators or reviewers, and we're eager to significantly expand those numbers. Well, actually, how do we encourage scientists to actually get more involved in this diplomatic effort? Certainly, I, I invite them to take a look at our website and to contact us, to listen to our conversations, podcasts that we have on our website so that they can hear about different mechanisms and ideas and then just follow up with us, and we'll be happy to, to work with scientists. All right. Well, I certainly hope they uh, go take a look. Ms. Campbell, I do want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you very much. And you were just listening to Ms. Kathy Campbell discussing science diplomacy. This is the Grok Science Show. Well, coming up in just a few minutes, it's the Grokatron 5000 and the world-famous Question of the Week. So stay tuned. Remember when you drank my wine Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? 
thought you did not look around. Yeah, yeah. I pay my, I pay my, I pay my money to the welfare line. I seen ya, I seen ya, I seen ya standing in it every We can live in harmony, yeah, yeah. I kinda like to be the president. The knocker, the knocker, the knocker, show you how your money Here we go. It's time for the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer formerly known as Deep Blue. And today the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, diplomatic or not. <laughs> and so for the following five people, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they're diplomatic or not, and maybe a little reason why. Ms. Campbell, are you ready to play the game? I am indeed. Okay, here we go. Grokatron 5000. Person number one, diplomatic or not, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know him personally, so it's hard to say. Um, I think he can be diplomatic when he needs to be. <laughs> All right. Well, number two is the American Idol judge, Simon Cowell. <laughs> he, again, I would probably not think of him as a highly diplomatic person, but he tells it like he sees it, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, it's good to be straightforward sometimes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, number three is uh, the pop star Britney Spears. I guess I'd have to say she's probably a little less diplomatic than others. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad for her fans, I think. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Uh, Okay, number four is the Fed chairman, Ben Bernanke. I think he's pretty diplomatic. I think you have to be in that position. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what he says affects markets, so uh, you have to learn to be diplomatic, yeah, I suppose. Measure your words carefully there. <laughs> That's right. Okay, and finally, number five, diplomatic or not, the President of the United States, George uh, Bush. I thought you might ask me that question. <laughs> um, I think he's become more diplomatic over his eight years in office. The learning curve was uh, a little shallow there. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Ms. Campbell, I do want to thank you for uh, sticking around playing the game. And, and of course, uh, again, talking about uh, the issue of science diplomacy and uh, your organization, uh, the CRDF. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 
And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Groks, you can email us at groks at hotmail.com. For the Grok Science Show, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.